that she's gone. She's always gone till she's gone. Anytime she goes away. Wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's gone to stay. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Welcome back to the Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by our host, star of this show, our resident adolescent expert, Tanner D'Agostino, and this is The Sauce, episode 479 in the network. Before we bring Tanner on the show, I just want to thank a few guests. I'm sorry, not a few guests. I want to thank a few supporters out there. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Millions, our new advertising partner. If you go to Millions under the Book Me option, advertisers can put proposals in to this show, any show, any combination of shows, or all the shows. We'll get back to you same day. Also, if you want to book our hosts for speaking engagements, you can go on that particular option as well, the Book Me option. You can also hit the Shop option where you can see all of our merchandise and uh, hoodies, T-shirts, hats. Or you can bring our hosts for experiences, which basically means you get to ask them a question in their area of expertise in professional or amateur sports, and they'll get back to you within 48 hours with a video email response. Great way to get to know our hosts a little bit more intimately. Also, Jaw Bats, RBG at checkout will get you a discount on Major League Baseball's newest certified wood bat. There's your maple, actually. Second is the kinetic arm. We believe it's an innovative, patented way to reduce the arm injury epidemic that's out there through amateur and professional baseball. You can use RBG DAG at checkout, and that'll get you a discount there. I know Tanner's usually said it helps offload the stress externally, certainly prevents arm lag, and that uh, it aids in his deceleration. It is a multi-joint dynamic stabilizer. Thank you to One-on-One College Pathway Program. Uh, those that, that group has helped us with production costs, helps keep this free for you guys. They've helped almost over 700 kids attain scholarships in the last four years. To the tune of over $540 million. And also Monet, self-care, hair care products. Been using it for two weeks now. Uh, it certainly helped uh, make my hair healthier, but also has helped prevent hat head like you wouldn't believe. Uh, we've got a great show for you today's pack show. Got a little NFL combine. I know Tanner was via satellite there yesterday on FaceTime with some of his sources. See if he can reveal some stuff he found out. Also four top college basketball games we're going to cover. One that hasn't taken place yet today on Sunday, featuring UConn and Seton Hall. And uh, then we'll get to a little preview of March Madness, maybe tap into Tanner's top uh, number one seeds. I think he's got six in the hunt right now. So with that, we'll bring on the sauce. Tanner, welcome back to your show. I'm excited for another episode of The Sauce, and uh, I think we got a good show here today. Normally we bring the show on Saturdays, but I know yesterday there was four big games, and we wrestled back and forth whether or not to preview the games and do a special one today on the Combine, but you were busy. It looked like on FaceTime uh, with people at all four games, college basketball games, in addition to the combine, getting some inside information on what's going on. 
I've already tried to get your sources from you. I know you won't reveal your sources, which is fine. I can just punish you later and confiscate your iPad as your father and look them up myself. But I also want to tap into the March Madness is coming up March 17th and want to see who you're previewing maybe for your number one. So where, where are we going to start today? Uh, let's recap the games from Saturday. Okay, so I know uh, I know you were locked into multiple televisions yesterday watching the games and then talking back and forth with either scouts in the stands or newspaper or reporters or whoever you talk with. I'm, I'm just teasing you. I don't, I'm, uh, I'm not interested in your sources unless you want to reveal them and give somebody credit online here. But let's start off. Who, who you want to start with? Kansas, Baylor? Yeah, let's start off with the first game. Okay. What, uh, what, what were you seeing there? Kansas is one of my favorites to watch. Baylor looked uh, like they were going to be a non-factor early in the season, but they've come on strongly. Yeah, that the uh, Baylor surprised me. I was picking Kansas all the way. Uh, Ray J. Dennis, the guard, he had a great game. And there's somebody that uh, they couldn't stop. He was a forward. I Sorry if I mispronounced his name. Yves Messi, I believe his name is. Oh, he dominated down below. They, they went to him. I think they, they started the game with him before the first media timeout. He touched the ball in the paint every single time. Varied his looks, too. They hit him off the, you know, the high ball screen. They had a little pocket screen for him. They ISO'd him in the post, just straight up in the post. They used him as a second cutter. This game was at Baylor, by the way. Always tough to win on the road. And a uh, Scott Drew team, as he's proven in the past, they 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 will guard. Uh, they ran a little, their little stacked 2-3 zone that they become known for. So what, uh, from the Baylor standpoint, you mentioned the guard. Uh, you mentioned they're, they're big. What did you see from them that excited you as we enter the, I guess, conference tournament play next weekend? Well, they shot terrifically from three point. They shot forty percent from three. That was that was impressive for me from Baylor, and uh, they they won on the glass. They outboarded Kansas by about eight to ten rebounds. They they won on the glass really well. And usually you don't do that against a Bill Self team, but um, yeah. What what did you think in terms of Kansas attack? I know early on it was big versus big, right? They figured, and that, give me the name of Baylor's big again. I'm going to make it. Uh, Yves Missy, I think. He's athletic, so different post player than Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dickinson's you know traditional low post guy, uh, seven foot lefty. Um, they they tried to pound him below as well. It seemed like that was the strategy amongst the two the two coaches, Self and Drew. They were gonna they were gonna exploit the differences in each of their bigs. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Baylor did a really good job of, of Dickinson had a great day, but I think they had, did a great job of uh, containing him a little bit. Well, he he's not. Well, he does shoot the three. He does finish around the rim. He's got good low post moves. Not that in between guy. Um, you know, I thought I thought Baylor defended him by making him guard. Yeah, they made him. They took him away from the basket. They made him guard hedge on ball screens. Uh, they made him, you know, hedge on you know curls and flares, and then use use their post as a second cutter. They made him guard in that pocket area where he had to hedge and then come back and guard. Hard one-on-one on there, very versatile, big, and super impressive Baylor. I've watched them a couple times before. Hadn't seen them click yet, but yesterday they clicked. Yeah, uh, very impressive by Baylor. Well, anytime you shoot 40% from three, that's that's a tough that – you're, you're, it's going to be hard to beat you mm-hmm. that, that night. What, what if anything, did you see from Kansas that uh, maybe, a, maybe a glaring deficiency and ways they can attack? Because they're, they're always going to be around tournament time. Uh, regardless, they're always going to compete for the Big 12 championship. They're always going to be, you know, on that second weekend in the Sweet 16. 
what prevents them, do you think, from uh, from from being a team that you say, hey, it's going to be a Final Four team? Well, getting if they were to lose, I would say they probably got two, three happy. They shoot, I think, if they shoot, two, they're not a three point shooting team. I don't believe their best player is Hunter Dickinson, and if they want to win, I think they got to get him the ball a lot. So they they got a little three happy. Is yeah, what you're saying that seems to be the way of the world now, right? They, I, I there, there's ever since the inception of the three point line, it started out great. You know where, and I know the game has changed. I know there's metrics involved, but there are more bad shooters taking that shot right now, and I think shot selection has been kind of pushed away right now. And we can thank skill trainers for that, right? They spend two hours a day with the kids' ball in their hands, so nobody knows how to operate without the ball. But I, I do like Baylor going into that Big Twelve tournament, but never count out Kansas. Who's, who's your next game? Uh, next game is uh, Creighton Marquette. Yeah. Uh, Marquette's usually wins by turning you turning uh, the ball over. Mar- uh, Creighton did a good job of not turning the ball over. I think that was uh, one of the keys in the game. Not to oversimplify, but that's the name of the game, right? Don't yeah. you got to get more better shots on your opponent. Two opposing styles. Marquette is a surprise and change type of team. They're, they mix up their presses. They'll trap you certain different places. They have different cues with trapping. Sometimes it's off the dribble on the sideline in the backcourt. Other times it's off the catch in the front court on the wing. Sometimes they'll stunt the post. I mean, they, they do a really good job of mixing it up. Where Creighton is more of a simplicity and execution. They're a side-to-side team offensively. They're, they haven't been healthy the last couple of years, and I've always I thought they were they were on the verge every year. They always go through that little skid. To to me, if I'm asked a sleeper right now, come postseason time, Creighton's my pick. They've got everything you're talking about. They got the point guard that demands good shot selection. I don't think they're three point happy. I do think they have a dominant big, a versatile dominant big below, and uh, they guard people. They I think man to man. Whatever your defense, man-to-man or zone, it's all the same once the ball enters. Whether you're playing zone or man, you are guarding somebody. There's help on the ball. There's help on the weak side. So the teams that have an identity there, I think, do much better postseason than the surprise and change teams. Because early on, you can get surprised. Yeah. As you get further in the season, less surprise is happening. So, But although Shaka Smart's done well with that style, he's married to it. So what? Uh, give, give me more on, on that game. Well, uh, a big-time player for Creighton ended up being Baylor uh, – Sherman, I believe his name is. He had 26 points and 16 rebounds. He's a big six-seven guard and a 20. You never scoff at 26 points and 16 rebounds. Yeah, they they can get 20 from five different guys. That's the nice yeah. part about their lineup. They do share the ball. I like they move players. They move they move the ball. They move players, and that's to me that's that's a way to good offense. I I rarely see a game where I walk away with them saying. Or they just took a ton of bad shots. I think uh, Craig, Craig McDermott does a really good job, has stayed there. I could see him being a coveted coach in the postseason when all these jobs open up, Ohio State being one of them right now. But uh, we're, we're, any either one of those teams, uh, I know the Big East right now, we've got a game we're going to preview later that's going to happen today. Can either one of those teams challenge for the Big East championship? Uh, I believe Creighton can. Uh, I think Creighton's got uh, – Possibly the best shot. Obviously, UConn's the clear and ahead favorite because they they've been the number one team in the country for most of the year. Uh, Marquette's had a tough couple weeks, getting blown out by UConn, and then uh, getting beat by double digits against Creighton. Yeah, uh, I think you never count them out because they're still a top ten team. Do you think there's a hangover from that UConn game? I think it could have been possible, although that happened last week, right? 
Well, that's a, that's a shock to your system when you're a mm-hmm. top. They were, what, five in the country when they got beat? Yeah. And UConn just handed it to them. They, they beat them by 30-plus, mm-hmm. right? So that that's a – there's only there's a couple ways you can deal with that as a coach. You can toss that game tape away and deal with it, or they sit and watch every play. It's hard to treat a game like that as business as usual and say, hey, let's approach this game like we do the others. I think you got to be extreme there. Either just throw it away and say, that's an anomaly. That, that won't happen again. Let's get back to us. Or – where do they pick us apart? Where do they make us less of us? Let's let's not let that happen again. Really burn it in their their brains. But they have skidded at the wrong time. February, the end of February is not the time to to, to kind of slide downhill. So, yeah. anything else on that big one there? Uh, no, just that uh, Marquette, as I said, didn't really make them turn the ball over, and that's I think to what yeah. you said about surprise and change doesn't really work as well when they're expecting surprise and change. I think against the bad teams it does. Yeah. Against the good teams. Yeah, that's where Marquette's offense, you're right, that's that's a good point. There's very little defense for a turnover, if yeah. any at all. It's always scrambling. Marquette could be the best team in the country at generating offense from their, their defense. So, again, he knows his style. I give him a lot of credit. I was not a big fan of that when he was at Texas. I liked what he did before Texas, but it was only a, you know, it was a really short window. I do like what he's done at Marquette. I do think they'll be a second weekend team there and depending upon the matchup uh he he those kids have bought in so maybe this is an anomaly it's a it's a hiccup i hope they're flying on high and they're hitting all cylinders because it's a team that has a unique style and i like i like unique styles i like to see the contrasting styles in the tournament so but remember the big east has prepared for marquette they play them all the time so when you get to the tournament those teams have not seen a marquette on a night and night out basis so they could have an advantage once they get out of their their league yeah. So who we got next? SEC. Yep, we got uh, Tennessee, Alabama. It's the first week you won't be talking about Kentucky. Although so, they scored over a hundred points, which is crazy in a college basketball game. Who? Uh, Alabama, Tennessee game or Kentucky? Yeah, uh, Kentucky scored over hundred. Oh yeah, they're they're they they could they have a national championship offense and maybe. Well, I won't say the worst, but it, it's it's a uh, it's not a defense that's going to sustain. Once you get the postseason, the games slow down. Offenses get more deliberate, and uh, I just don't see that style last. And they're going to have to stick their nose in somebody and guard them. They can't outscore people in the postseason. But hit Tennessee, Alabama, love Rick Barnes. Yeah, um, I love what Nate Oates does at Alabama. Talk about a style, two styles of play that get it done in the postseason. But give us your synopsis on that one. Your your review. Well, I think Tennessee did a great job of uh, turning the ball over against Alabama. They uh had twice as many turnovers as uh, Alabama forced on them, 12 oh, you, to 6. You're confusing my, me with your language there. So Tennessee forced Alabama? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 12 turnovers. Hey, so I, I think that was great. Uh, great job for uh, Tennessee to turn the ball over and uh, turn Alabama over. And uh, I think uh, the three they, they shot really well from three-point range as well. Yeah, I think, the, again, Tennessee's discipline. They know their style. So... Alabama shoots a lot of threes. They get threes into the rim. They're the traditional analytic style of basketball. They've had a little bit of a hiccup this year. Two two of the last three years, this year being the odd year out, they've led the nation in defense. Mm-hmm. And that's been Nate Oates. He's hung, <laughs> kind of hung his hat on that. Good three-point shooting team. They get to the rim hard. But they're not guarding people like they have in the past. They they had the lead yesterday. I mean, they, they, had, yeah. they had that five-point cushion. Right at that four-minute mark, and that's, that's you know, we, when we practice, that's the four-minute battles. In that last four minutes, you got to win it. 
And uh, Tennessee just out-executed him in the last four minutes on both ends. Even comes to the la- uh, last possession, Alabama had the ball. Uh, they had like 30 seconds left, and they shoot an off-balance uh, top of the key three in, uh, in, with the hand in their face. Yeah. That's not a great shot. He, you know, if you take the good with the bad, he, <clears throat> he turns his kids loose. Yeah. And he says, that, you know, you can't pass up an open three, and that goes for everybody. So, you know, like we talked about earlier, shot selection is, is no longer – employed i think by by teams it's more of that free free wheel and approach yeah. um and and again you got to take the good with the bad alabama's going to shoot you know 30 30 plus threes a game on a bad night so they live and die by that again i don't think that's a recipe that gets it done in the postseason i think the defensive end does if alabama finds their way back defensively i think they're they're athletic enough offensively to get get the buckets they need but tennessee to me is one of the most impressive teams from day one till now that I've seen there. I like to say they're boring. They guard you. They contest shots. They block out offensively. They move the ball. They don't over dribble. Um, They get the ball, the right players in the right spots. And I was impressed because Dalton connect did not have a great game yesterday. No. And I thought going in and I was wrong that in order for Tennessee to advance in the season that they had to have Dalton connect, have not career nights every night, but he had to give them. He had to be an All American every night, yeah. and he was not last night. Every you know, everybody's a night off, and Alabama was geared up for him, no question. But they won without him being on all Sunday. That's what impressed me the most about them. Yeah, and that was Tennessee's biggest uh, question mark: if they could uh, score without Connect having a great day, and I think they proved that they could. That sounds. That sounds. Uh, and, and you know, Alabama to me, they were, they were kind of off the radar. Mm-hmm. Until a few weeks ago, they beat Auburn uh, pretty handily, and Auburn was ranked and they were top ten at the time. Alabama came in and pushed them around, and since that point, Alabama's been on a rise. This has kind of been their first hiccup. And they 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 still have not to their, I guess to their credit right now, they still have a lot of ceiling to go. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see what they look like if they can ever get the defensive side of the ball in order the way Nate Oates wants. And to you. Um, you know, defenses, you know, when you're looking at these guys, what are things that you're looking at when you're looking at teams defensively? You don't have to get too much grabbing, but what on your mind you're watching teams say this is a team that gets it done in the postseason. What are some things what are give me two give me something you look at? I look at uh, alignment and assignment. They know where they gotta be and they know what they gotta do. Yeah, they can't <laughs> can't make it any simpler than that. Um sim- simple but uh hard. Yeah. Right? It's it takes discipline to do that. And you know Alabama's been as good as anybody the last couple of years. So, and as as we like to say, you gotta you gotta you know how much energy does it take to raise your hand and contest a shot? Just the same energy as it does to close out. So just raise it, raise the hand. It makes the shooter a little less apt to make shots. So, okay, what uh, on the college scene? What else are we looking at? That that was oh you had a West Coast game. Yeah, a little East Coast biased here. Uh, and just going back to connect. What do you think of connect? Six what's he six 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 seven. Swing player. Yeah. Um, reminds me of Rex Chapman, which was before your time, um, before Rex got a little kooky in his, his world after sports. But mm-hmm. uh, what's your what's your take on Connect? Lottery pick? Top five pick? Oh, I think he's uh, – I think so. I think a lottery pick at least. Uh, he's, got, he's probably going to be SEC player of the year. I can't imagine he's not, although Mark Sears is having a great year. I think he's a lottery pick, yeah. Yeah, I do too. He's he's the way of the NBA right now. Six seven versatile guy. Um 
really good one-on-one player, shoots it well, can guard. So I, I'm, I'm anxious to see how he progresses over postseason. Because postseason can sometimes make or break a guy's prospect chances. Because like we said about the positive of Marquette, nobody's seen him. Mm-hmm. Different teams will game plan for him a little bit uh, in a little bit more nuanced way in the postseason. So St. Mary's and Gonzaga, West Coast, two teams that we don't get to see a ton unless you stay up after midnight. But always, I mean, they're always battling for that conference championship out there. Gonzaga has gotten the better of St. Mary's over the last you know, 10, 15 years. But St. Mary's is not that far behind, yeah. and nobody wants to play them. Yeah. Either one of them, nobody wants to play them. Uh, I was surprised by Gonzaga. I mean, they <clears throat> haven't had the year they uh, they've usually had uh, in a tougher conference now, but they they showed they showed out pretty well, beating St. Mary's by over ten points, and uh, they really did a great job turning uh, turning St. Mary's over. Thirteen turnovers for St. Mary's, and uh, they shot over fifty percent from three, which is pretty pretty good. Gonzaga did. Yeah, you can't yeah. win. You can't beat a team with that. So thirteen, they forced St. Mary's into thirteen turnovers. Yeah. What's What's interesting is we're seeing games this year where it's eighteen to twenty two turnovers in a game. Thirteen by today's standards is not a lot, but it yeah. makes me cringe when I hear thirteen because I always like the games under eight, eight or under. You don't see that at all anymore. Yeah, um, makes sense. You can't defend against a turnover. Uh, you're giving up a shot. You're not valuing the ball. And uh, those things are are disaster. So, I mean, t- two simple points I think people can take away from your talk today. Defensively, know where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. Offensively, the two things you hit on, you know, value the ball, take good shots. You know, yeah. that's that's about as simple as you can get. So St. Mary's, Gonzaga, they're going to be forces to reckon with in the postseason, I would imagine, yeah. right? Both teams are tournament teams. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. They're both ranked. Yeah. And – uh Despite the uh, double-digit loss, St. Mary's did a really good job of getting offensive rebounds. They got 17 offensive rebounds and 21 defensive rebounds. So they, they dominated the boards. They just couldn't uh, turn that into a win. Yeah. I guess that 50% from three for Gonzaga will yeah. do it. And, you know, the conversion rate on those 13 turnovers, um, I think Gonzaga converted uh, over the one-to-one yeah. turnover uh, point, points off turnovers. So it's tough to do that. Although the the uh, offensive rebound uh, output by St. Mary's is impressive, you got to take a look at that. With how's that weigh into percentage of misses? You know, what percentage are they rebounding on that? So twenty five percent is a really good number if they're doing that. But they've got to convert. So yeah. I, I think that's where they were deficient last night. Seventeen rebounds. Oh, you got to look at Gonzaga's defense. That tells you yeah. either they're not imposing their will on somebody or they're out of position mm-hmm. if they're giving up seventeen or St. Mary's got into the paint. Yeah. So um, Gonzaga may have got away, away with one last night because 50% from three is not going to happen yeah. night in and night out. So message on that one, you gave two good offense and defense. I'll give a message from a coaching standpoint for Gonzaga. Do not accept in victory, which you would never accept in defeat. So I would certainly take a look at those O rebounds and, and see where they uh, you know, can maybe cut that at least in half, maybe more. Okay, so today's college basketball scene, who you got? What's which game? There's only there was one key game you were talking about, right? Uh, UConn Seton Hall. Okay. UConn's always fun to watch. Uh, they're always a good watch. And uh, a player to watch today is Cam Spencer, guard for UConn. Yeah. Uh, fifteen points per game, uh, four assists, six rebounds. Uh, he's gonna be a player to watch. Good shooter too. As right? well as Tristan Newton. They're they're both two guards. They're both players to watch for UConn. 
I think that's that's what makes to me you UConn is physical, correct? Yeah, they guard like men, like it's a whole mm-hmm. different level. I mean, I think Houston guards like that, UConn guards like that. Um, you know, Tennessee at times guards like that, but UConn when you watch them defend, it's like rabid dogs out there. Uh, I you know I, I haven't seen another team guard like that night in and night out um, from beginning to end. So, and for me, postseason time. I think guard play wins. Yeah. I really do. And I'm biased probably because I'm a guard, but, um, but I do think guard play wins because it helps what you're talking about. Yeah. The guards are the ones handling the basketball for the most part. So they, they limit turnovers. If they're good, they should be dictating good shots and bad shots based on their ball movement. And defensively they're out in front of your defense. So your D is going to take on their personality. If they give up penetration, then all that does is collapse your D and your bigs can't rebound. So I like UConn. I like what Danny Hurley's done. Um, somebody said it's really similar to the model that his dad built at St. Anthony's yeah. where it was all based on toughness and defense. And uh, I, I, it's hard for me to disagree with that. Did I ever tell you my St. Mary St. Anthony's story? No. You want to hear? I, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I'll keep it short. In the gym, I was in the gym one time recruiting, watching. I can't, I, I can't remember what year it was. But, uh, you know, all big, big dogs in there watching the games. And there was a play, and they did it in like an ch- old church hall where there was a stage, yeah. folding tables there. You had to move the folding tables, hoops out. And it was like, I mean, it wasn't glim and glam like you see these high schools now. And there was a player, um, it may have been Robert Cheeks, um, <laughs> was uh, a play happened. He rebounds, got in a little bit of a scrum, got hit in the mouth. Blood coming out of his mouth, looked like he lost a tooth or part. Sprinting down the court, took a veer off to the right, went over to the drinking fountain, washed his mouth off in the middle of the play, and got himself back into the play on the other end before action happened. So got the rebound, got hit in the mouth, blood coming out, didn't sub out, didn't make a big deal about it, rinsed his mouth off, and then ran right back into play and got involved with the action. Yeah, That to me was, if, if there was a encapsulated St. Anthony style, that was it right there mm-hmm. with it. So. Um, <clears throat> couldn't get away with that now probably because somebody would be triggered, triggered by, by that. But, uh, that's the toughness we're talking about with UConn right there. So who, who do you have today? UConn or Seton Hall? Uh, I have UConn. <clears throat> I don't think he can go against, uh, in my opinion, the best team in the country. They've beaten way better teams than Seton Hall, but, uh, Seton Hall's got a puncher's chance. He always got a puncher's chance. So. Uh, in order for Seton Hall to win, I think Kadari Richmond has got to have a great day. Uh, he averages 16 points a game. I think he's going to average more than that, or he's going to have to score more than that in order to win. So, uh, But I got UConn. And where, where is this game? Uh, this game is at UConn, I believe. Okay. I wonder if it's senior night at UConn. That always makes a difference against Danny Hurley's alma mater, Seton Hall. But, uh, okay. with So, done with college basketball, do you want to – I mean, do you have your number ones, that, or do you have the – I know we were going to talk NCA stuff. Do you have your number ones that you think are uh, when we get to March seventeenth, the the uh, selection show Sunday? Who do you th- who are your number ones right now? Well, uh, Houston, I think has got to be there. Uh, they're the number one team in the country according to the AP polls. Uh, Purdue has got to be there. Zach Eady is not going anywhere, and as long as he's not going anywhere. They got to be a one seed. How about player of the year in the country? Maybe the most improved player in the country. Yeah. And then team we just talked about, UConn. Uh, I think they're the best team in the country. So uh, be a fool not to put them as a one seed. Uh, Tennessee, 
uh, Dalton Connect is they just proved that they don't he doesn't have to have a great game in order for them to beat a top fifteen team in Alabama. And uh, Arizona is another is another team. Yeah, we don't get to see much of them, but I agree. Arizona. Um, I was going in the yesterday's game against Alabama, saying if Tennessee beats Alabama at Alabama, to me they they sent a message that it's going to be hard to knock them off that fourth number one. But Arizona, you know, should win the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be a toss-up between those two as well with the number four seed. And too early to call, but do, do you have or do you want to wait till next week to go through how many teams you think will be in the tournament? Do you need to see one more week before you kind of predict how many teams per conference? Uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll cover that next week to SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, Big East, seeing how many of those teams will get. I guess we, we they get 68 now, right? Yeah. Um, how many of those will be of the 68? So next next topic, we going NBA? Uh, no, I think we're going Combine. Combine, okay. NFL Combine yesterday. So um, you were on FaceTime talking to people there all day long in, in between basketball games. So I kind of left you alone yesterday. What's with the NFL Combine right now? Just kind of do the, the basic stuff. Like where was it? Um, you know, what are they doing there? What, what were the events that they were doing there? Well, it was in Indianapolis, as it always is, yeah. and uh, it happened yesterday. And uh, combine is a lot of physical stuff, and then they'll run routes. So 40-yard dash, broad jump, uh, shuttle run. They do that little high jump thing. High too. jump, yeah. So uh, a lot of physical stuff. And then the quarterbacks will throw routes, uh, as J.J. McCarthy and Joe Milton and Sam Hartman did yesterday. So and, and McCarthy, Michigan, um, Hartman was he was uh, Wake Forest initially. He was in Notre Dame, right? Yeah. Okay. And who was the third guy? Uh, Joe Milton, Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. Actually, former Michigan. Yeah, he was. That's right. So two two Michigan guys there. So the combine was there. To me, the combine's much ado about nothing. I yeah. think it's uh, you know you got guys in shorts. I I don't see, and I know we have Sal as our performance coach online. He he. He he seems to think the check. I think he said the shuttle run uh, gives you some, but I could be wrong. I'll check with him on that. But the standing high jump, I know it's, that's actually for you know, I guess pass rushers to see how high they yeah. can get up. You know, maybe maybe that the the broad jump, the shuttle run, the forty yard dash. They love that, but yeah. you know, it, what's the thing that I hate about it? Because I know they like their measurements. They take testing there, like the Wonder Look test, the S two cognition test, those things. Or is that done uh, they also? do it, but they didn't do it uh, yesterday. Okay, so there's a whole bunch. Then they do interviews, maybe right with yeah. with teams and whatnot. Yeah, it's uh, again. I they're running in shorts. It's a controlled environment. Um, you know, you can be. I think you can train for the combine yeah. and blow it out and still not be a great football player. To me, it's videotape that tells. I do think it's important for people to see guys up front and close and personal. But I, you know, go to their games. Yeah, go to their games, and I, I think the pros days too are kind of a it's a joke. Yep, it's a it's a dog and pony show. Um, but go go ahead, I, I'm I'm digressing here. What were some noteworthy accomplishments at the or things that you noted that were worth the audience knowing that happened at the combine? Well, you got to talk about Xavier Worthy breaking the forty yard dash record, the fastest time ever with the four two one. Yeah, who is he? Where where is what position? He's Texas wide receiver. Uh, the uh. Last fastest was uh, John uh, John Ross, I believe. So he ended up breaking that by 0.1 second. Okay. That's significant. That's a tenth, By a tenth of a second he beat you by? Yeah. Okay. 
so where's where's Worthy projected? Uh, he was a second round pick. This might have bumped him up to late first round, but uh, second round pick. That kind of silly. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. Good for him. He uh, he did that. He will be running in pads though, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, there will be contact with cornerbacks. But good for him. Broke the record. Four point two one. You said. Yeah, that's my birthday too. That's good luck. Um, okay, so what else, what else happened of note? Uh, another thing that happened to note is uh, Nate Wiggins, cornerback for Clemson. He ended up running a four two eight, which is very fast for a cornerback. He's but, a low guy, though, right? Yeah. Uh, the problem with him yesterday was he weighed in at one hundred and seventy three pounds, which would be the lightest of any corner in the NFL. Okay. So, so he's he uh, th- was that less than he played at this year? Were they they were surprised by that weight? Uh, I, bl- I guess so. Must have lost weight. I guess of significance. And yeah. So, but he's, he's traditionally fast. So Nate Wiggins ran a four, two, eight. Yep. Uh, you know, that's, that's uh, another quick time. So he j- almost, uh, what, seven hundredths of a second behind worthy. Mm-hmm. So two record breaking times yesterday that beat, beat Ross, who was a wide out. Was he wide out Alabama? Uh, uh, no, I think that was Henry Ruggs. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. What, what else we have of note there? Um, uh, Caleb Williams, he was in the news, even though he didn't throw, uh, he refused to give medical, uh, records to teams. I think this is just the yearly, uh, thing that they do to the quarterback that's supposed to go number one. Remember Joe Burrow with his hand size and then CJ Stroud with his S2 cognition test. I think this is, this is, I don't think this is anything. So you think, uh, it's one of those, let's build you up, break you down. Yeah. Type of things. Yeah. I, I, he says he's the first one ever. Yeah to withhold medical records from teams and he does need to, he does need to consent on that, but it puts up some flags like, okay, the natural question is what is he hiding? It's, yeah. it's his, it's his prerogative. He's doesn't have to hand anything like that over at all, but most, I guess everybody has in the history of the combine prior mm-hmm. to, to him. He did absolutely nothing there yesterday. Correct. Correct. Except for TV interviews. Yeah. Uh, and then, but uh, a guy that did impress, which I know you're happy about is, uh, JJ McCarthy looked pretty sharp there yesterday. Yeah, he showed he showed off his uh his big arm. I don't think a lot of people knew he had a great arm. He he has a fabulous arm. He had great footwork, I believe. He uh hit people on the on the spot almost every throw. And then when he threw it deep, he threw it like seventy yards without a without even a second effort. So yeah, he well he, you know you remember what he's in. He's in, he's in a system that prioritizes running the ball. Yeah. And they prioritize, you talk about, they do do some funky stuff sometimes, some mm-hmm. trick stuff, but they're about simplicity and execution. Kind of like we talked about with the basketball. So McCarthy's not asked to do all that crazy stuff out there. So some of his athleticism does uh, get hidden, but uh, he is a tremendous guy. We saw it several times where he had to just break out and make a play. Yeah, and he's fully capable of that. I have heart. I I didn't see it. I'll admit, I, I saw spurts of it, but I'm not in at Michigan's practice. You've been high on him from the beginning. I have heard, and you talked to people there, you know, that were at the combine yesterday by your FaceTime. I have heard that he's a top five pick. Yeah, and you said top three. I did. Yeah, uh, he's gonna be third to the Patriots, I think. So. He's going to kill everything we saw with the Combine. He's the most athletic quarterback in the draft. Maybe Caleb Williams is more athletic than him slightly. And uh, he's got a great arm. And he's, uh, I think 
because of him not throwing a lot of passes in college might hurt his draft stock. But I don't think uh, coaches are going to hit him for that. And college production isn't NFL production. I know we get caught on that a lot. Jane Daniels had a great year. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. But if J.J. McCarthy threw 45 times a game with two NFL receivers, I think he would uh, be up for the Heisman as well. Yeah, you're right. I think in both sports we've talked about today, it's not apples to apples. In fact, it's, it's like two different games sometimes. Mm-hmm. So McCarthy, top three, you're saying flat out to the Patriots. So Matt Jones is out, McCarthy's in. And I know we chatted about some things last week. Any scuttlebutt on the Caleb Williams, Justin Fields, that whole saga with the Bears? Uh, it's looking more and more likely uh, every day that they're probably going to take Caleb Williams. Which means uh, Fields would get traded. Yeah. So the Bears would have one in nine in the draft yeah. this year. And uh, Fields traded. I think Fields is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't think they had the weapons for him yeah. in Chicago. Hopefully they get the weapons for Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. But where do, where do you, what are the teams you're hearing with Justin Fields? Because a lot of teams need quarterbacks. The main one is looking like Atlanta. Goes back home. He's from Georgia. Uh, I think that's probably the main one, Atlanta Falcons. Raiders you hear too? I hear the Raiders as well. Uh, Obviously, they got Devontae Adams. They got Hunter Renfro, which is probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. Big running back too, right? Yeah, Josh Jacobs as well. And uh, with the Falcons, they got weapons as well. So he would not be uh, struggling with weapons when it comes to those two teams. Oh, I agree. I think those would be two great sets. He gets upgraded in a hurry with with talent around him. Although the Bears do have, I think Bears have a good defense with the two picks. I guess they could get two two weapons. Maybe Williams could get his his receiver of the future. Although they do have a a good number one up there right now in Chicago, right? DJ Moore, yeah. Yeah. And again, you're high you're higher on him earlier than I was, but uh, I watched tape on him after you pushed him on me two weeks ago, and you're right, he's a good number one. If they get another young guy, that could be a tough group. And I don't know, you know, we hear. It's, it's very polar with Caleb Williams as it is with number one picks all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, I tend to look at, again, this, this could be my, this is my, my perspective as a former coach. When I would see a kid, a young kid, you know, teenager, hit a peak, they'd hit, they'd hit a high, you know, more than one time. Um, to me, that was where I said, okay, that's what they're capable of. Am I good enough? Or do I have the, the structure enough or the culture enough uh, or the time to get that out of him every day? Is he willing to let me get that out of him? Because if you've seen greatness, like we, we've seen I mean, some phenomenal things. from him. Yeah. He was a Heisman Trophy winner a year ago. Uh, people had anointed him, you know, him and Elway and, and uh, uh, who am I thinking of? Col- uh, uh, Colts quarterback. Luck. Andrew Luck as the greatest college quarterback graded ever uh, you know my question is that's what i look at as a coach now he's done some weird things he gets moody after games he gets again that's we talk about that is that today's kid is that today's parenting i think we've, we've created that as a society so um, you just got to figure out how that works into your locker room right now yeah uh, but anyway that's that's what uh that, that's good notes on williams and mccarthy anything else on that combine um there are no big-time winners. I think everybody else did fine, and uh, I think uh, that's it for the combine today. Yeah, there's again, I I forgot about it till you reminded me yesterday. It used to be a huge thing early on, yeah. but it, I don't think it means much 
anymore. So now we'll get to hear about all the S2 cognition stuff and the yeah. wonder look and, and everything. And I do hope that the, and I, again, the NFL is spending the money that they take a look at these guys football uh, game tape yeah. and go from there. So will you be doing another mock draft as we get closer to the draft? Uh, probably. Yeah. Okay. And I'm guy, you already gave your JJ McCarthy pick away and, and some information you got that McCarthy to the Patriots, but, Okay, so what do we got next? I know there's some NBA news I saw in your show notes. Uh, yeah, uh, the biggest news is that uh, LeBron cracked 40K, which is the most, which is by far first player ever to crack 40K. Yeah, and uh, that that's a that's a great accomplishment for LeBron James. I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's longevity, it's, um, sustained a high level of performance over a long period of time, and you know, I I think I when Jordan was playing. I grew up a Celtics fan. Celtics, you know, played the Lakers. Those were the games on TV all the time. So when Jordan came in, I had a hard time giving up the Magic Bird. Yeah, you're the best. Even when, uh, you know, I think I think I came around a little bit in the '92 Olympics when I watched them all play together, and I I appreciated Jordan more in retirement than I did when he played. And I'm I'm guessing I'll probably do that with LeBron too. Because, uh, again, LeBron, there's so much noise around the world nowadays, specifically sports and specifically people who like attention. So there's so many things that he said and done that I wish I was not privy to that I allow that to affect my judgment on how yeah. much I like him as a player. So um, stepping back, it's hard to argue with 40,000 points. I don't care if it's in CYO basketball, 40,000 yeah. points, 40,000 points. So uh, good for him. and. You got uh, your your Celtics are still on top of the world, or did Milwaukee take them over? No, the, uh, they're first in the NBA by, I believe, five games. Five games, but Milwaukee has not lost since the All Star break, I believe. That's good for Milwaukee. That tells you your your Celtic bias right there, just like good old Dad was when he was a kid. So, what do we got left for the audience? Anything that you want to touch on? Uh, I believe that's it. So we uh, we kind of gave you a cornucopia today, a little bit of college review, college preview. Uh, NFL Combine, um, and then just get ready for the Pro Days are coming up, right? Yep, so get ready for the Pro Days, and uh, the Sauce will come out with his draft preview. We'll get ready for the NCAA tournament. We've got spring training. We didn't touch any baseball today. No. no? So spring training is coming up. I do know I saw your iPad. You're getting hooked on those fantasy mock drafts right now. Yeah. Any sleeper baseball players you want to tease the audience with that you're, you are uh, – you, you seem to put on your fantasy teams, your mock drafts anyway? Well, I look at a lot of hitters like, um, look at Masataki Yoshida, look at Jung Ho Lee, the new Giants hitter, and uh, pitching-wise, Dylan Cease is going way too low, in my opinion. So those are three sleepers you got? Yeah. Take a look at okay. Good advice right there. Maybe we'll give some fantasy sleepers uh, next week as well. So with that, we got episode 479 in the books with the sauce here on a Sunday, a rare Sunday here for the, the podcast. I want to thank our, our groups that work with us, Millions, Jaw Bats, The Kinetic Arm, One-on-One College Pathways, and Monet Hair Products. Thank you to all our hosts on The Real Voice of the Game. Make sure you take a look at that Book Me option and the Shop option. Get to know our hosts. We will be announcing a, uh, a virtual gathering. Uh, maybe we'll do it around the NCAA Selection Sunday. We haven't decided yet where all of our hosts will be on there, and it'll be a pay-per-view, so audience members can pay. I think we're going to keep it minimal, like a dollar or $2 to join, and uh, we'll, we'll do some of, 
some topics. We'll talk and we'll be interactive with the audience. And I'll, I'll be moderating. So we'll get the date out sometime middle of this week. But with that, Tanner, thanks so much for a great show today. Uh, thank you. I've had a fun time doing the sauce. And enjoy the, I know your Yankees run at 1 o'clock, so 30 minutes till Nestor Cortez takes the hill. And you'll be watching UConn and Seton Hall, I think, probably split screen, right? Yep. Okay, with that, thanks so much. Here's the sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Who got the sauce? I made the sauce. Who made the sauce? I got the sauce. I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce.